0: You're listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto Podcast, where you'll learn how you can use direct-to-fan marketing strategies to grow your fan base and generate income from your music with no record label, radio, airplay, touring, or press. And I'm your host, John O'Jaka all right thanks for tuning in to episode number 39 of the music marketing manifesto podcast this is john ojaka and today we've got a uh, i think a really kick-ass show for you guys we've got a very special guest his name is niels schroeder he's a good friend and someone i've worked with on a number of uh, projects over the years uh, with (laughs) is English failing me all of a sudden uh, we work together on a number of projects he's a very smart guy he's kind of been there and done that in um, many different aspects of the music industry from working in A&R to product uh, management to general manager of of various labels Uh, he'll fill us in on everything that he's done in a a moment but I love chatting with him because whereas you know we we kind of approach the music industry in different ways Uh, and again we're gonna be talking about this a lot, but but whereas I sort of you know stay focused on direct to fan marketing and how uh, an artist can really use online marketing to propel their careers or to advance their careers, uh, he's out there really uh, fighting the big fight, you know, dealing with record labels and radio and chasing hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of streams and 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 trying to create international artists so I wanted to kind of talk to Niels um, not only about that but about something very specific it's a seed that he planted in my head many years ago when we were working on a project together and it was this somewhat simple idea that every career is a series of steps and that it's it's really important to kind of ultimately be real about where you're at in your career uh, whether you're just starting out or you already have a, a decent following figure out where you ultimately want to be whether that's just financial Financially uh, independent, or whether that's uh, becoming the next household name, and then asking yourself, okay, if I'm here and I want to get there, what is the next step, and um, and then from there, what's the next step after that, and so forth, until you ultimately get there. Um, and why this was so important to me when the idea first kind of clicked for me it was just uh, it, it, it was because. Based on where you're at and where you're trying to get, there's a different sort of remedy or ideal or optimal plan of action. You know, press doesn't make sense necessarily for every artist, nor does radio and and, and for some even going and running ads on Facebook might not make sense. It really kind of depends on where you're at. So I asked Niels to uh, sit in on this episode and kind of just talk to us about that, uh, you know, from his perspective. I asked him to walk us through all of those steps those steps from the very beginning from you're just getting started you have you know 20 20 likes on facebook to international superstar you know uh, uh, how do we get there what is the appropriate thing to be doing based on where you're at and what should you be looking towards uh, when it comes to that next step of your career. So that's what we're going to be doing. I I think this is one of the meatier episodes we've had in a while. Uh, tons of great stuff. I hope you guys dig the conversation, uh, as much as I did having it. So that's really it. I don't want to take up too much time, uh, with this intro. I'll just quickly say that if you enjoy this podcast, please do me a favor, head on over to Apple podcasts or, Stitcher or wherever you listen to this podcast leave a rating and review those things uh, they really do help um, and uh, while you're at it if you're new to music marketing manifesto head on over to music marketing and sign up for a free copy of the music marketing blueprint uh, uh, it's a it's a 40 minute presentation that breaks down the entire direct-to-fan marketing strategy that that I've been teaching and cultivating for about a decade now so check that out all right we're gonna take a quick break and when we return we'll be talking to Niels Schroeder from blue alone records and NCS entertainment back in a sec you're listening to the music marketing manifesto podcast Hi, this is John Ojaka. I'm a former Interscope and Warner Brothers recording artist who gave up on the major label Rat Race and began pursuing direct-to-fan marketing strategies back in 2007. The techniques I developed worked so well that they helped my very first client set the all-time single-day sales record at CD Baby and land a position on the Billboard charts. In 2009, I launched Music Marketing Manifesto and began sharing my music marketing strategies with others. Since then, my program, have helped thousands of musicians learn to successfully market their music, many of which have landed on various Billboard, Amazon, and iTunes sales charts. They even helped one artist land a Grammy nomination. So if you're a musician and you need help growing your fan base or generating more income from your music, then MusicMarketingManifesto.com can help. My flagship program, Music Marketing Manifesto 4.0, is in its fourth edition and will teach you how to build an automated marketing funnel for your music. My program, Music Ads Workshop, will help you master advanced Facebook advertising, and the Insider Circle is my private mastermind group, which offers monthly training lessons, weekly coaching calls, a mastermind forum, and over eight years of music marketing strategy lessons. I also offer one-on-one consulting for musicians who need personal guidance. Or help with any aspect of their marketing. To learn more, go to Music Marketing Manifesto.com and click on products and services in the main menu. Once more, that's Music Marketing Manifesto.com. All right, on the line with me is Niels Schroeder. Niels, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, John. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Always
0: yeah. a pleasure. Awesome, awesome. It's great to have you back. Uh, excited to chat today. Why don't you just kind of give everyone the, the quick 30-second uh, bio on who you are and what you do for those who may not be familiar with it.
1: Yeah, no problem. I started my music career at Capitol Records. I did. uh, I was an A and R scout there, and uh, moved over to uh, Metal Blade Records, where I was a project product. Sorry, product manager, and uh, also did A and R over there. I got the management bug, and uh, had a long stint at a company called Dave Kaplan Management, which also uh, we opened a label division called Surf Dog Records, which is uh, currently home to artists such as. Oh, Eric Clapton, Brian Setzer, uh, among others. And um, then uh, after about 20 years in that position of of, uh, running that company as the GM, I went out on my own to uh, help uh, artists and companies, tech companies, also individuals, investor types. Who uh, were looking to do something in the music space? That's what I've been doing, and uh, the last five years, uh, one of my focuses, my primary focus, has been a label uh, that was a startup about five years ago called Blue Elon Records, which is uh, started from just the germ of an idea five years ago. Now has like uh, 25 acts on the label and a and a staff of 12. That's, that's very. Uh, that's currently where we. That's currently where. That's where things sit.
0: Yeah, awesome, awesome. And I know a few years ago, as things were kind of taking off with Blue Alon which is sort of the last time we talked about your quote unquote title, but you were kind of going by freelance GM. Are you still sort of a freelance general manager um, for Blue lawn or I'm, you know more permanently seated yeah,
1: there? Yeah I do I, well I work remotely, John. I work in uh, the, the company's based in Los Angeles and I am I reside in San Diego mm-hmm. and uh, my, my uh, want of being here, versus there, uh, keeps me in more of kind of like a freelance position. Uh, the, my, my role there's changed a little bit. I've gone from GM cause we actually hired someone to do that. Oh, gotcha. And I'm now the, uh, I'm now marketing and artist development advisor. Got it. Got it. Which is, uh, which I really enjoy. Yeah. Really enjoy that.
0: Sounds awesome. Sounds awesome. Well, I love mm-hmm. talking to you because, um, well, one, you're a smart guy and we've worked together on a few projects and, and had a good time doing it, mm-hmm. but you also, I don't know, you, you come at things from a very different perspective than, I do. I, I sort of see myself as kind of a a real you know rogue within the within the industry. In fact, I'm trying to pay as little attention to the industry as possible and develop uh, help artists develop as sort of small businesses. Um, and that's kind of when somebody comes to me. That's my whole focus. Let's take what you've got and let's try to turn this into something where we can start measuring cause and effect and start to generate profit and and grow things but my I don't approach things well I I certainly understand that many of my clients want to ultimately get there I don't approach things uh, with a focus on developing international acts I my focus is mm-hmm. de- developing successful small businesses for musicians um, and, and turning them you know making them profitable giving them the keys to to that sort of machine whereas I-I- I. I think you know ICU is sort of a rogue within the traditional industry you know you do things a little bit mm-hmm. differently you have very independent minded uh, but you are very much working with a lot of companies and acts that are that have that goal you know they want to go the distance they want to become that international yeah, sure. act. So, so you're aware of different things than I am and you have a perspective uh, that I don't have and and as someone who's worked in management for many years you've you've really helped a lot of artists grow um, for uh, over over many many years you know not that not the few months that I tend to be working with, with clients. And right, we talked right. about this. I don't even remember in which, uh, interview, uh, or conversation it was, but it was years ago. And you talked about something that I've remembered anyway, as, as sort of baby steps. And, uh, I've sort of paraphrased it many times and tried to sort of even, even teach it in my own words over the years, but I thought it would be really fun to just kind of have you Come, come on the podcast and talk about that because it was really... When that first light bulb went off years ago, it was really important to realize, I think, that not every... A tactic, um, whether I don't want to even say marketing tactic, but whether that's radio or press or Facebook ads for that matter, not every, uh, tactic makes sense for every artist. It has a lot to do with where you are in your career and, um, what is going to help you get from where you are to the next place that you have to get. And that uh, you talked about how there's all these, these levels, these steps between that. Brand new artist that's got a few good songs and 15 followers on Facebook and that international act with millions of raving fans. So I don't know. I know that's a huge kind of broad topic, but I basically am asking if you can <laughs> kind of try to walk us through that from from the beginning. You know, let's. I, I don't know how we want to break this up, but you,
1: yeah, well, I'll tell you what you, you said that we differ on things. We actually don't. Your cool. approach in the, the the, de- in the, in what I say is what the, probably the most important part of the development and the continuation, the, the model that you teach, John is like, I, that's, that's what I recommend to everybody in the, in the uh, oh, early awesome. phase. Awesome. You know, owning your lists, right? Mm-hmm. You could you have a huge, you could have a huge following on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, but that's rented space. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, it's as good as the platform wants to be good to you. And it's great to do all that. But what you teach in in developing a business and nurturing your fan base, I, I think that's what you kind of do in artist development all the way along. You just hope that the numbers get bigger. Right. 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 It's, it's still the same philosophy. So, um, it, you know, everything really depends on what kind of act you are. Um, whether you're doing pure mm. pop that's aimed at a super young demo or if you're singer-songwriter right. and you're, you're trying to get people like maybe the low end of your demo is late 20s right. to maybe even up to early 50s. There's all different kinds of approaches to that.
0: Sure, sure. Okay, so would it be so- helpful if I kind of picked some... Um, sure. situations that you know the the this the different archetypes that come you know across my desk or inbox um, with different situations and maybe sort of throw them at you mm-hmm. and t- you can talk about yeah the absolutely that's the, best,
1: that's the best way to do it yep
0: cool so yeah that's really interesting and I do want to we'll circle back to the different genres and things like that because you're right there's a huge difference between someone who wants to go pop uh, versus somebody who is a metal artist for that matter um, mm-hmm. but I probably see you know I, I have no idea here but it feels like like about 60% or more of the people that I, you know, my MMM students and whatnot tend to be singer-songwriters. There is a here is a huge yep. array of people that come through. But let's let's start with the average singer-songwriter. They've recorded an album. Yep. They want to release the yep. album. And um, they're really not sure what they should do. You know, a lot of people talk a, still talk about radio, although that's obviously quieted down for indies in terms of that being uh, yep. a, a driving force. But publicity, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of people want to hire... Uh, PR agents and, and try and get some press, um, and uh, there's there's touring, um, and of course there's online marketing, and uh, I guess let's let's take that artist that doesn't yet—they're not selling out their local venue, um, but they've got they mm-hmm. think they've got some really really good well recorded songs. They come to you, they've got, you know, a limited budget, but some money to work with. How, how, what, what key things do you think is important for them to do? And, and what, what is the, I guess, actually start with the outlining the big, you know, the, how do I say this? You talked a little bit once about kind of going from. And I'm overgeneralizing here, but starting with first building that initial following, you know, that, that online yep. following, the local following, and then, um, mm-hmm. skipping ahead perhaps a few steps, but then eventually stretching into sort of a regional following. You're, n- you're now filling, out, selling out that local venue. Um, and so let's try to take it outside. Maybe it's not just California anymore, but let's, let's go West Coast and then going eventually international. Um, one, do you still agree with that arc? Is there more that one should be considering? And if one is at the very beginning of that, what's the first step and what should they maybe not be spending money on?
1: Okay. Uh, Not on radio. Radio is the last radio is just the last to come on board. Sure. Right. First of all, if you hire any reputable uh, radio plugger or, you know, even publicist for that matter, the first question out of their mouth is going to be, what's the tour schedule? Right if they can really help you get airplay or help you get meaningful press, the first question is going to be, what's your tour schedule? Gotcha. Because without that, they're not going to be able to, to deliver very much. Right. Um, you know, listen, publicity is one of those things where I really go back and forth on. You can, there, there is some merit in hiring someone who's very inexpensive. And when I say very inexpensive, I'm thinking $500 a month.
2: Okay.
0: Are,
1: there, are um, there a lot of yeah, people out there willing closed. to do it for that price these days? No, yeah. uh, there's some out there, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> they're, they're usually young right. startups. You know, I don't, I, I personally don't know anybody who's at the $500 a month level. Right. Um, my, my uh, contact base, I'd say is, you know, you're starting at 2000 a month up to you know, sure five to 8,000 a month, right? Uh, oh. depending on the act. Yeah. Um, but. They're they're gonna want you. You've got to get an audience. You have to have something to start with. Playing live is the most important thing to do. If you're a singer songwriter, getting out and playing live and building an audience that loves what you do and really connects with uh, with your music—that's the only way they're really gonna do it. Just you have to think about the amount of time that someone has that someone will have to give your music just just hearing it. You know, just having a link to it. You're going to have to be it's going to have to be absolutely spectacular in every sense of the word to grab their attention. Does it happen? Sure. But you're really going to get I I just know like, okay, so here's here's a small example. We went out and saw as a fan. I went out to see Theo Katzman. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Um, um, sounds but, familiar, but uh, Theo but not, is not a he's a, he's a member of the band Peck, which okay, you made sure. yeah. Uh, they famously put out the Sleepify album, which was a whole album of blank thirty-second tracks, yeah, and just yeah. asked fans to yeah, I'm <laughs> which is uh, again clever. I'll get back to clever. Right. They uh, you know they for people who aren't familiar, they they made an album's worth of thirty-second blank tracks that they asked their fans to stick in a Spotify playlist and play over and over and over again. By the time Spotify figured out what they were doing, they had amassed $20,000 in royalties. (laughs) So (laughs) That's one way to push it. Anyway, uh, took my wife to the show. She'd never seen him before. She knew I was a big fan, but we invited a couple of friends of ours. Uh, Sent them the music ahead of time. We met them at the show, got in the venue, got our seats. and said, so, did you listen? They're like, yeah, it's pretty good. You know, right. it's like, oh, wow, pretty good. No, not pretty good. No, this, this guy's amazing. Right. He's not pretty good. No, I listen to it, it's cool, it's mellow. It's good. Anyway, he plays the show, blows their minds. You know, they're standing up through through the whole set just like at the end going, oh my God, you were so right. You know, so for the, for the singer-songwriter, I think to really, really connect, you gotta have a great recording, but you gotta be able to play live and you gotta be able to play live as frequently as possible. Gotcha. That that to me is step one. Okay. Obviously, uh, at the same time, you, you know, Facebook is probably less important now. Um, Instagram, you know, building building a solid uh, presence on Instagram with stories and um, you know, be on you should be on stories pretty much every day. You should be posting on your timeline once in a while. It's a little less important. Um, you know, having a good if you're if if you know if you have say you know you're good on camera. YouTube is a great place to develop content, um, just as far as having some you know something up where people can discover you right. uh, that you can point them to. Uh, that those those are the things where it's I, I think where it's really at those those three things uh, done at the same time, and really focusing on building audience and it's hard work, you know, it's not easy to get gigs, but you just gotta go out, get into the scene, go out to shows, see other people play, all that networking, that real old school stuff, you know, that happened in the punk days or in the in the folk days back in the sixties, where it was just a scene of people getting together in community for the singer songwriter world, that's that's really important. Right. Um, and just, just, you know, forging relationships and being able to do shows and then, you know, we, we can skip ahead and you say you've, you've gotten to a point where you can draw a couple pe- couple hundred people in your hometown, which by the way, in my opinion, is the hardest thing in the music business to do mm. going from zero to 200 people.
0: Yeah. Well, in even, I would have, I would said a hundred, like, um, I, I, okay. I, I used to, I sure. used to be a booking agent in Los Angeles uh, and, uh, uh, I can count. I did it for a couple of years. I can count probably on one hand the number of times a band could bring more than 100 people. You know, it was just exceptionally yeah. rare. Um, uh, right. I wasn't dealing with international acts. I was dealing with locals, but I was trying to find the biggest sure. local acts I could. And it was it was really, really rare. But there did seem to be something like once you kind of hit that hundred people, um, drawing 200 w- was infinitely easier.
1: It you know? was easier. Mm. And then and then once you're at 200, drawing yeah. 500. Is yeah.
0: Easier. yeah. Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're great. And so if you can get to that point, let's say somewhere 100 to 150, you're at that level then where you can go look at other markets and look who else is doing this. Like if you're in LA, who's doing that in San Diego? And get in touch with them, trade shows. Hey, I got a show coming up at the, you know, at the whatever. And, uh, you know, why don't you, uh, you know, you open for me. Can I open for you? That's a really it's good show, uh, bit know? of
0: advice that seems so obvious. And I've never really thought about it. Just kind of. Reaching out, even calling other, you know, if you're talking to other bookers and saying, hey, I'm such and such and have a following of around this much in Los Angeles. And I'm trying to find other acts um, that have similar sized followings, whether that's 30 people or 100 people. um, That's a great way to sort of to, to grow and makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah, out here we have a really thriving reggae scene, mm-hmm. and that is exactly how it's developed. Mm-hmm. It's a scene, and everybody goes to all the shows, and all the bands know one another, and they, they help each other out. It's yeah. the same, you know, happened back in the punk days, and even, you know, in the early 2000s with all the emo bands. But that, that uh, conscious, that, all over that
0: conscious yeah, trade for, for audience size, though, I really like. Like, I, I always did that kind of community thing as well, but it tended to be people that I liked and knew, you know, it wasn't, mm-hmm. I never really looked mm-hmm. at their audience size. I either thought, I thought they were cool or nice people. And that well,
1: was, there's <laughs> that too. Yeah. There's that too, John. I mean, that, that's totally about because usually you're going to find people who are cool, who are great and hopefully will attract people. You don't want to just do it for the for the audience size or how much someone can sure, I mean sure. you can talk about how the whole pay to play thing has destroyed right, some of the local right. music scenes mm-hmm. where, you know, you go to the Viper room or something like that where they just have one of those, you know, Tuesday nights where a promoter comes in and says, Uh, you know, yeah, you can play here, you gotta buy forty tickets. Yeah. You know, and you get you get a metal band and a Pop band, jazz right, band, right, singer-songwriter—you just get this collective musical mess. But right. they sold their 150 tickets. Sure, sure. So, but no, but it's 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 getting it's really getting involved and seeing who's out there and making connections and not being afraid to make the call. Because man, if you see someone who's doing something in another town and you're actually you've got something, you've got something to offer them, they're going to be so stoked to get that call.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think so and um, and again I think I think to be honest a lot of that going after friends and people I knew uh, and liked that didn't I mean it felt good and it was fun and built community but it didn't lead to much career growth because I don't feel that I ever had to be honest in my case as a promoter I was able to draw people and I'd have a lot of support that wasn't able to draw mm-hmm. people so it didn't do a lot to further my career um, but when it becomes mm-hmm. a, an, an even exchange like that uh, when both parties can see what's in it for them I think it may Makes sense and you'd eventually build this you know potentially tour routes around your region where you'd have five ten different artists all in the same sort of place and you'd keep on hopefully growing all together it makes a lot of sense right anyway yeah. so okay and, and as
1: far as, and as far, but as far as releasing the music that, that side of it i would say anyone who's willing to give you an email address and you know this the power of yeah. uh, you know give them stuff first if people are willing to pay for it that's the next step. Anything out there publicly, like with, with Spotify and Apple Music and Amazon, I'm all about one track at a time. Right, right. You don't need to put a whole record up. Nobody's waiting for it. Nobody's interested yet. Totally. Really, you know, space out your single releases, and you know, try to drive traffic there. And as you get people who are, you know, who, who are growing in, within your tribe, you know, say, hey, if you want to help me here, say you can help me. Just click this link. You know, play right. my song once or twice a day. Share it with a friend once or twice a day. You know, that's how you can help me. But a lot of uh, artists are just so anxious. Well, I made these twelve songs. I got to get them up. You know, they, the world. Needs needs them, we'll all needs to hear them. Well, yeah, yeah. you know, what what you're gonna what it's gonna do, it's gonna get up there and it's gonna collect digital dots, because if you release something in twenty in say October and we're into twenty twenty now um, you know, by the time someone's discovered it, it's like, Oh, that's old, you know, I right. came out last year. And then you, you don't have anything new to put out. So always having something new to talk about is,
0: is really important. Well, there, yeah, I'm making a list of little things that you're saying that I, I want to circle back on. I want to talk about Facebook versus Instagram. I want to talk about mm-hmm. that, the one track at a time thing a little bit, but, uh, but let, but we'll, we'll come back to some of that. Let's, let's again try to stay on this arc so you've got that artist that's got an album in the can your first thing is get out there and start booking shows and then and you've touched on this a little with the one track at a time and they say but I've got an album I want to put it out so what do you say like I am playing Yeah. your fans yeah so, so someone don't, wants
1: to pay you for it yeah someone wants to pay either a pay you for it or pay you in the form of an email address if that's valuable
0: to you. Right, but don't At release first, it no, in, a, in yes. a traditional way. Don't
1: release it publicly. Don't release it publicly.
0: And no. w- and no point. yeah, and what what when you say publicly does that include the website? Um, what 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 are your what do you define as publicly?
1: I would leave it. I would leave it as I got it. I have a new album. I'm really excited about it. Click this link to get a copy.
0: Right. So so you know? with what and then, I do, and it's, send it to them. This, I was going to say with what I do, it's all about funnel building and everything is very invisible. You know, you can sell a lot of stuff with no one realizing other than the people that are buying it that you're selling a lot of stuff. Would that be sort of permissible per your your, um, advice or plan for an
1: Indian? 100%.
0: Got it. If Uh. it's
1: not in rented space, if it's within your ecosystem, then 100% give them what Ever they want if if I'm a paying customer and I'm also like this with uh you know with with I'm starting to get this way with uh, bands on a higher level like you know what if someone's willing to pay you like d- do a pre order for a record that's coming out in four months right just give it to them now yeah you know yeah. send them a digital download I've done that a couple times and like well, oh you know hold up we can't give it until now We're not four months early okay well will give it to them two weeks early right give them something you know why hold back if they've already paid you for it. Why not just give it to them? No, you know, they, uh, they they bought the vinyl and they're going to get their vinyl when it comes. But, you know, find a way to stoke them out
0: for someone trying to chart. Does that sort of get you in trouble because you're delivering in advance or does no one really know or care?
1: Uh, well, because you're <laughs> delivering, you're delivering a digital copy in advance, but then you're delivering the physical copy that they ordered. Um, I'm talking about, you know, someone bought a physical. Yeah, piece. yeah. Does that, yeah, does, is, you're, that you're, a, is that you're, permissible
0: you're the, per SoundScan or you know uh, Nielsen's rules with sound with with charting? Uh
1: having not read the latest rule book <laughs> yeah, yeah. Know, no, exactly fair but i think the fact that you paid for something and it was delivered on the release date like let's say you purchased a vinyl yeah, yeah. you know and that vinyl was delivered to the person on the release date what's the harm in sending them the digital copy that doesn't count
0: yeah i thought there was you know, some rules that you could copy. deliver a percentage of it and that was why they used to used to see the iTunes single track pre-release and stuff like that but i i could be totally wrong i don't i don't pay too close yeah, attention
1: yeah you're also talking also talking to someone who does not put a lot of merit yeah. in chart positions totally. anymore. They're totally. nice for, you know, they're they're nice for a bullet point on the bio yeah. and yeah, I suppose it can kind of stoke out your fans because they don't understand what it really means. Right. Um, that, you know, the chart of- positions are kind of, it's all kind of goofy. Yeah. yeah. If you want a chart position, get the number, get, get a top 10 album on the billboard top 200 and get it because it was streamed 100 million times that
0: week right right know? i think chart positions they again they when you're making a million phone calls all the time to strangers trying to get uh-huh. you know shows they they get a little you know they they keep the person on the phone five seconds longer um but you're sure. but you're right not not they don't mean much beyond that and you know the, it's one more little thing to help overcome or to create sort of social proof with your fans. But there's so many ways you can do that without a chart position that it, it it's all
1: exactly,
0: exactly. Here nor there. It's
1: entertaining them.
0: Yeah. Entertaining yeah. them, yeah. Totally. you know, making music
1: they love. Like, okay, take Theo Katzman. I have no idea where his chart, what his chart position is. Right. right. All I know is I listened to that album already uh, twice today.
2: Right. Totally. You know, totally. But no, and I,
1: and I went and, you know, saw a show and when he comes back, I'll see him again. You yeah. Know, sure. Just, I'm not really bothered by that.
0: So. Okay. So yeah. get keeping us back on, on this arc. So, okay. So that, that you, you suggest not releasing the album right away, go out and don't release it until you have a fan base to release it to. Is that, is that the summary? Correct. Of, of, Absolutely. How 100%. big of a fan base and how would you, how, how big of a fan base and how would you, yeah. How would you define fan base? So ah. what if they have 50,000 email lists or, or 5,000 email oh. Uh, pers- people on their email list versus the live show. Like, uh, are there different ways that you, one can satisfy that criteria?
1: If you have 50,000 people on an email list, you can almost do what you want.
0: Yeah, I, I probably went too, um, too big that, that. Is, Let's say 5,000 Yeah, that's people.
1: pretty, that's pretty <laughs> high. Uh, 5,000. I'm still of the mind that you're trying to grow a bigger audience and. When you're going out, so when it comes to say you're doing any kind of social posting, right? Mm-hmm. When you're, um, you know, when you're trying to you're trying to grow your your social profiles, having something new to talk about always helps. Right. So if it's already been out, well, it's not new anymore. Yeah. And I think you see this trend, especially with major labels now on the pop side. It is a singles business again, and you'll see like five or six singles released over the course of two years Right. on a developing act sometimes, you know? And uh, I've even, we've had, had the conversations with artists, not that we've, we've done it yet, but we've had the conversation, if they've independently released music before, but they're not really well known, you know? Sometimes I'll suggest just take no record down, Yeah. you know? Yeah. Again, you, you want everything to look fresh And like someone's discovering something new, not something that's been going on for seven or eight years,
2: Totally, you know, with
1: that, with that brutal less than 1000 sign next to every single song. Yeah. yeah. It's just, you know, people, people, even, you know, fans of music and you still want to be, you know, you still kind of want to be where things are happening. Mm. So even as a fan, you want that just even as a fan to have that social proof that what you like is liked by others. I just think there's a, um, totally. something very natural about that with most people, not everybody, but, but most people that right. you're, you're looking for that you're
0: not alone on this right so okay so that artist they're going out they're trying to book as many shows as they can they are trying to build the following locally and it's slowly happening they're building their email list they're working the email list that shows hey give me your email address I'll, I'll, I'll send you an album or a track or whatever it is they're giving away they're selling albums it shows all the all the stats are starting to tick but they're still it's still very small and but they're 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 building uh, the email list with online marketing and, and I Most of the people listening to this are familiar with my direct sort of direct to fan direct response approach, which is all about building this kind of semi automated funnel, um, which allows you to build the list fairly rapidly um depending on your budget um at what point Mm -hmm. is do you say uh, uh, but meanwhile they're releasing let's say a, a single every few months so there's there's always something to talk about a new video to pop on a new track to offer their list a new track to put on the streaming platforms if that's what they're doing um at what point do you think okay let's let's put out the album do you ever react uh, are you done with albums like where
1: yeah. are you at? yeah no you can i think you put it out like they did back in the day you know back in the 60s when it was a singles business yeah if you had three hit singles the label would put out an album yeah and it would be those singles plus the b-sides and maybe two or three other songs
2: right right right,
1: right. so that's that's what an album would be and i think if you you know i think it it's okay to me The And I, and the more I talk to other people, they, the, the people tend to agree with me the day you release a full album is the day the, and it's not for everybody, not, this doesn't mean for everybody, but what I've found is that once, unless you have a big tour to follow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about acts that don't have huge tours. So if you're, if you're a bigger act, And you put out an album and you're following it with a 60 city U.S. tour and 40 shows in Europe and 10 shows in Japan and two weeks in Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. Put your record out and stay on tour because you've got lots to talk about. Right. But if you don't have lots to talk about like that, the day your full album comes out signifies the end of the campaign. Right. Right. So when you're ready for that album campaign to be over, then put the full record out. And it can be in a way where, you know, it's sort of a, a culmination. Hey, here was a period of music that I put out. It was a, a period of my, my creative output, put them out as singles, and now here, they, all, here they, are, they are all in one collection. You kind of put it all out as singles anyway. Um, putting more out feels, you know, like you're, you know, what, uh, law of diminishing returns right. and you kind of feel like you need to make more of a statement. So you make a statement with an album and maybe, you know, you but hopefully all along you've been doing a pre-order for your CD, which people will still buy. Right. Um, and you know, or a pre-order for your vinyl, if you can, if you can afford to do that. But, uh, but I think a lot of times that the day you release that album, unless you've got a big, big tour that you can talk about for months, you know it's, it's pretty much
0: that's the end of the album cycle. Right. No that's a, it's an interesting point I mean and and here I think we might get into some differences I'm just kind of curious on flushing them out um, but uh, so for me I couldn't kind of do what I do without an album purely because I'm I'm very much focused on sales and it doesn't have to be the sale of an album and I'm very well aware of the trends in the music industry and the, all the headlines about the death of album sales and things like that but I don't see those stats as as a direct to fan marketer, if I build a relationship and with an email list and ask them to buy stuff, they will buy it unless they already have it because it's already in their pocket on, on Spotify. We
1: um, do not, John, we do not disagree at all. Direct to fan, direct to fan is completely different. Right. Okay. Direct to fan have, you can have any rule you want. Right. And I even tell this to, to other bands that said, I don't care. You know, even artists that are, that are established, you know, and again, because I'm not big on chart positions, and unless you're unless you're talking about a real, you know, a real chart position that's really going to make a difference in a career, mm-hmm. which most of them will not. Right. You know, yes, make the sale when you can. If someone's ready to give you 10, 15, $20, dollars, don't say, oh, no, 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 you got to wait four months for that. Right. I'm talking about everything that's public facing. And the stuff that people can go out and discover that might wind up on a, well, let's, we can circle back on that in a second. Yeah. But, um, you know, if you have, if you have a direct to fan relationship, sell them everything. Right. Sell them right. your demos, get them onto a subscription site. You know, if you can yeah. do it under your own control where they pay you a few bucks a month and you put up demos as you make them, mm-hmm. anything, mm-hmm. you know, you can release anything. I'm talking about a, a public facing release. Yeah. yeah. And by public cool facing, album. we're when talking. We're talking I mean, SoundScan, we're Spotify. talking Spotify, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know, you're not selling enough, the SoundScan numbers just aren't there to really make a, a, a huge difference. I mean, yeah, no, yes, totally. I mean, we can go back on some of the special, if you if you can qualify for a specialty chart, right. like the blues chart, or the yeah. jazz chart, or the Americana chart, if you can, where, where the threshold is still pretty low to chart there, it's okay. Yeah. You know, I can see if you want that for your bullet point, but um, you well, know, yeah. If you're a blues that's, artist, that's you
0: know, at. if you're a blues artist or jazz artist, and you're going to go out and try and book that national tour, I would think that being able to start the conversation at we're number five on Billboard's blues chart right now would yes. would get them to listen. And, <laughs>
1: Absolutely. And again, different kind of audience. A blue yeah, yeah. a blues record that's going to that's going to skew to an older audience that's right. probably less interested in singles. Right, right. You know, and they're still into albums and they want to hear the whole thing at once. I'm talking about if you're a typical singer songwriter um, under 40 years old. Where your audience just doesn't have that kind of time to give you.
0: Yeah. You yeah, know, hear,
1: you, yeah. you're lucky. I mean, gosh, getting three minutes out of somebody these days, that's, that's, you know, that's an accomplishment.
0: Yeah. No, totally. Totally. Um, I see it all the time when running, I, 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 when trying to run ads via Facebook to Spotify, the, just the, the small number of people that give you the 30 seconds necessary to to count it as Australian is just frustrating.
1: Just a non ROI. Yeah,
0: no, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. You try, but yeah, it's, it's
1: not there. Anyway, um, it's about building, it's about building the uh, yeah. You know, look. At the end of the day, it's about b- doing what you need to do to build your list and to build your live following. Yeah. And all the others, and you know, and your social following as well. But all the other stuff that's public facing, that's a little less important at the really early phase. Okay. You know, I think you want to you want to get people when when it's important to release more music on you. know, You have to put music on Spotify. Here's okay. Here's what I wanted to get to. For Spotify and Apple Music whenever you release something, whether it's a single or a 57 song album, when you release that UPC code, you get basic, I mean, there's some exceptions, but you basically have one shot at playlisting. Hmm. So to get in the algorithmic playlist. So if you release six singles over the course of a year, you have six shots of getting onto say a new music Friday or, you know, getting into someone's release radar or discover weekly. If you release, all those songs at once you get that one shot to get one of those songs into those in, into into those algorithms in general there are exceptions of course and someone could probably come and say well no i released now i got 7 of my songs over the course of 8 months yeah, well yeah. good for you that's really rare yeah. Yeah. so um so anyway that's another reason that through those through those points of discovery why right. you want to roll things out
0: slowly constantly introducing new upcs basically Right, right. Exactly. Yep. Uh, um and so so okay this is uh, sticking with that arc so that that singer-songwriter they're starting they're doing all that they're releasing singles maybe they've re- released an album to their fans maybe they haven't at what point they're starting to get some traction you know the the streams are going up we're not getting millions of streams yet but you know thousands of streams maybe even tens of thousands of streams legit streams and you know not buying them or doing mm-hmm. anything silly. Sure um where where do they take the next step in their career you know they've got six singles behind them now they've got a growing list and a growing following maybe they're not selling out all over california but they've they're playing they're not playing for nobody what's the next step in a career
1: you're in tens of thousands of streams and not thousands tens of thousands Mm -hmm. You can start talking about hire, hiring a publicity person because now you have a little bit of a story to tell. Right. Uh, also, what you want to do is you want to always be encouraging. Yes, you want them to follow you on Instagram. You want them to follow on YouTube. You also want them to follow you on Spotify. It's very important uh, because when you put new music out, if you uh, follow somebody, you get an email that the new music's been posted. Yeah. So yeah. Um, hopefully, if you're getting those kinds of streams and you've got maybe a couple thousand, three thousand followers on on Spotify as soon as you put something out, you're going to get that initial jump where it's going to show up on everybody's release radar. Um, you're going to wind up in discover weekly and that's, that's where you can really start to grow there. And that's when, um, you're looking to bring in more audience and not that, you know, at this level publicity is really going to be a game changer for you, but you can start to lay the groundwork at PR. And you can start to and and your expectations should not be oh I'm going to be on you know Jimmy Fallon or yeah. I'm going to be you know on RollingStone.com. dot com no you're not what this round of PR is going to do unless your music is absolutely outstanding people flip out over it and say this is you know paste put something put something up or stereo gums this is the you know greatest thing ever which could happen but mm-hmm. in all likelihood what you're doing is you're laying the foundation and you're just making. Uh, uh writers aware of uh, aware of who you are right first step oh okay they got that okay noted right and that's it Right. And you might and you'll get some you'll get some reprints of the of the bio you get written and you'll get some little mentions here and there. But it's not going to make any difference at all. Right. Even right. if you got some kind of mention in Rolling on Rolling dot com, you know, yeah, all that yeah. does is give you a reason to go back to somebody else to try to get something also meaningful. It's it's when you do that over time that you start to you begin to have a cumulative effect.
0: Yeah. And where and, and where
1: some, they, they build.
0: Sure, yeah. sure. Just for clarity, when you say all you're trying to do is make writers sort of aware of who you are, are you talking about the writers who ultimately choose to write about you, or are you talking about the yes. people who are just receiving the the, the bios and things from publicists? The,
1: well, the writers, writers and editors, right, right. The publicists will send it out to editors and and journalists.
0: Regardless of they pick um, for, for up the reviews, story, just just get sort of making the rounds within that. That's what space. you're. That,
1: that's what you're doing. The first the first go round is just that. That's what your expectation should be. And you'll look at it and say, uh, I spent whatever a thousand dollars a month for four months, and all I got were these little you know reviews that don't mean anything that that nobody reads, and the only people who read it were the people I you know who got there from the link I posted on Facebook. Yeah. 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 sorry (laughs) yeah (laughs) just like when you're building a house the foundation that you can't live in well, I just paid for this foundation, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. $50,000 to put in and I can't live in it. Well, yeah. right. You, yeah. you haven't built a house yet. No, that's a great so analogy. So it's the same kind of thing. It, right. It's part of that. It's just laying the foundation from which to build your house.
0: Now, should someone be investing in that kind of publicity before they are mm. profitable, in your opinion, or is it like go and figure well, out a, well, way, a way to be profitable first?
1: That's always, I mean, that's hard. Mm. You know, that's a hard one to tell people um you know that's that's a tough one if you're getting tens of thousands of streams you kind of need to make the next step yeah hopefully you can do something and that's why some of these you know subscription sites you know like patreon i don't know sure. if you've uh yeah, you know, how familiar you are with it with yeah. them but you know if you can if you're on patreon and you've got a hundred fans there yeah who are paying you an average of ten dollars a month you know, after fees get taken out, $900 a month, you're yeah, almost there. Totally. You know, from a hundred fans. So I think as long as you can, yeah, as long as you can sustain and you have some, or, some revenue stream to cover that cost, I do think it makes sense. Even though you look at the end result and go, wow, it was a big waste of money. Right. It really wasn't because right. in order to get the bigger stuff later on, Yeah, they have to know who you are. Right.
0: And I think even for cultivating your own tribe, they need to watch you grow as well. You know, there needs to be. I mean, if you've got a healthy audience, if you've got 400 people, this is not so important. But if you've got 10,000 people on your mailing list and 50,000 people following you on social, I think I think. They'll find ways to tune out and stop caring. But if they're seeing that growth as well, they'll sort of almost see it as the, their investment has grown and they chose right. And, you know, they'll enjoy your win as though it's their own. I know I kind of do that um, when I, I
1: no, Absolutely. And like you'll get something that, you know, and again, the cynical side of me will say, oh, top 10 artists to watch from rollingstonecom dot com and whatever. You know, no yeah. new streams. There's no you don't see any bump. But right. I remind myself that, no, that is important because as soon as that goes up on Facebook, the comments are going to light up Right, right. and the, the fans and the friends and the family are going to be really excited. And it's just and it's more validation. And that's the other thing about publicity. It does provide validation for what you're doing. Right. right? Someone yeah, is sure. it may not be adding revenue, but someone writing something nice about you validates what you're working on. Yeah. Even though, you know, art shouldn't require that kind of validation, it should be, you know, self-validating, but you know, but it does. It feels good.
0: Oh, yeah, we need it. it. it feels feels we've good. all chosen the absolute mm-hmm. hardest way to make money in this world, so you need to Absolutely. you need the little pat Absolutely. on the back from time to time. Um so yeah. okay, so this is going to be a really silly question uh, or sound silly anyway, but I kind of want to ask, aside from the, that, that little bit we just talked about with, you know, cultivating the exist or preaching to the choir, so to speak, what's kind of the point of this next step? What are we trying to achieve? Like, so, yeah, okay, we, we're getting tens of thousands of streams. We've got a bit of an audience. We've got a healthy thing happening. But what, what are we hoping that investing in, say, PR, um, and continue, you know, and continued, uh, as a, as opposed to just continuing what we're already doing, which is playing more and, re- and building our list more, like what what's the next step in career growth? Growth? I I assume that there's a there's something else between Beyonce and and uh, getting meaningless press.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, it builds excitement, right? And yeah. Again, it's something else. It just adds to your case. I think that every time. You're trying to move to the next level. You have to make a case for yourself right. to move to the next level. But what is right? that next so level, I guess, need, is what I'm asking. Well, I don't know. It could be, like, I'm talking to tens of thousands of streams. You might be having managers sniff around at that point, mm-hmm. you know, might have a label sniff around a little bit, although they can wait, you know, they can wait until hundreds of thousands, Right. Um, you know, but you, you just might get the attention of somebody. You might get the attention of a, um, be, they have the any opportunity to, to open for, uh, you know, be the local opener on a, on a big club show, let's say, right. you know, like here in, in, in San Diego at the belly up, you know, 650 seater, um, you get someone who's coming through with, you know, they're not bringing a support band on the bill and let's say they think they can sell 400 tickets. You can sell another 150 to 200. Yeah. They look at your numbers. You're going to get that shot Right out of that shot could, could be, damn, you guys were great. Mm hmm you know, let's stay in touch, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. It's just, it's that, that ability to go to the next level. It's, you know, you know how it is like when you're a, um, when you're a musician, you have to buy at the beginning of your career, you have to buy everything. The bigger you get, the less you have to spend.
0: Right. Right
1: same thing um, right the bigger you get the the less hard you need to work do, the uncertain things sure, like, sure. like getting opportunities so you from know?
0: your perspective is it really just about for the most part building the story so that you can attract bigger opportunities within the industry in terms of That's you know, it.
1: you're yeah. always trying to you're always trying to move to the next level, right? Whatever right. that
0: is, right. And, and don't
1: try to jump too many levels; it doesn't work,
0: right? You know? Well, and you know, you talked about some real concrete things. Once upon a time, when we were chatting about those levels, like one of them being different charts. You know, going from the blues to Americana to AAA kind of a kind of a thing, going from uh, you know local, uh, you know, your hometown to to your, your your larger area to a broader regional area to national in terms of touring you know do you one still feel that way any other sort of benchmarks about how to define those next levels within a career
1: that's not easy um yeah because even even some of these stats like you know the number of streams i was just thinking you know there can be some misleading information out there um let's say you got all those streams from being on playlists and right. you uh, not everybody actually, you know, they didn't save your song. They're not following, um, you know. So you can get on, can get on some crazy playlists. You get two million streams and have no fans. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I, it, I don't know. That's that's really hard to define, John. I think it's a it's a feel thing, and I think that's when if you're starting to sense something where you are getting opportunities mm-hmm. where we're booking your local shows is really easy because the promoters want you there where they're calling you to be the support act where you're getting, you know, a shot with a band to play like a little, you know, be the regional opener. Like I have one artist I'm working with right now who just got uh, seven shows, Mm -hmm. seven West coast shows with Mm -hmm. a national act because we've just been building it slowly. And it started from just one, you know, it started from one and then there was a, a couple in the Midwest and there was a you know, a three show run here. And now we've got, I think what's turning into a 10 show run on the West coast. So it's, and I think that's more of a feel thing right. than actually saying, well, I was this on this chart and I was this on this, well, sure. you know, and a, a manager, that's where a manager can come in and say, okay, this is, I see what your numbers are I see what your numbers are. This is reality. Yeah, and this yeah. is what we need to do next. Right. And got everyone's it. a little different. Got it. Yeah? That makes
0: sense. That makes sense. And it's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you, you know, just to sort of wrap the topic of radio up when, and when does radio make sense? Are there some artists for whom it never makes sense?
1: Uh, specialty radio can make sense, mm-hmm. you know, um, define specialty artists, artists for like everybody. Americana. Yeah. yeah. Uh, specialty radio where most of the stations are not broadcasting that genre of music 24 seven. Mm. It might be a lot of public radio where there's a, a Sunday night show from eight to midnight. Um, you know, where there may be some 24, seven stations, Americano is like, um, excuse me. Uh, there's a station in Austin. That's pretty much, you know, that's, it's a full-time station KUTX. Uh, there's a station in Nashville WMOT, which is full-time, but a lot of the stations on that panel, uh, you know, have, have specialty shows and they, don't they'll, they'll actually play quite a bit of music because their shows won't really repeat. Right. Um, and working those formats are relatively inexpensive. You're talking, you know, less than $5,000 for an album campaign. Right. So to work the, a like these
0: are that. those kind of personality hosted two to three hour shows, mm-hmm. um, where the, yeah. like Howard Stern sort of used to be, I don't know what he's up to these days, but, um, but, uh, I know his old show, well, it wasn't that much music, but it was kind of, it was specialty radio. With,
1: no, uh, not really. Not really. Not, not, not specialty radio in a sense that's more like talk radio or morning show. Yeah. Maybe that, that was a bad example. Cause that's he didn't actually gonna, have that much yeah. music,
0: but there, but, uh, like, um, what's a good example. Sorry. I'm actually like drawing blanks on I don't know,
1: Rodney Bing. You remember Rodney, yeah, you remember yeah, Rodney on the totally, rock? Totally. Okay. Perfect. He was on Sunday nights from like I don't know midnight to four, right, right. You know, but he had a loyal listenership that were that were up late and wanted to see what Rodney I was playing. Totally. Um, so there, there's all kinds of. It's, it happens almost entirely on public radio. Yeah. So you'll have like you know KCRW in Los Angeles will have a number of shows throughout the day. And you're not sh- necessarily trying to get an ad on the station. You're trying to get your music played on that show. Right, and that right. you don't, you know, unless you don't have the money, you know, if you have a way of, of getting that money to hire one of these independent radio promotion people, mm-hmm. which I said, you know, you're, you're, it's just, it's under $5,000. yeah, um, You know, you can make a dent because yeah. the, you know, people who are who are into that scene, who are really into that scene are paying attention. Right. So those, and you could also get picked up, like, let's say you're an Americana artist and you get picked up by uh, Sirius XM Outlaw Country. Right. You know, not only is that national exposure, man, those royalty rates are real. Yeah. You know, you get a song on Sirius. Those you know sound exchange royalties—that's it's actually real money. You know, you right. get a, get a song on there. It's it's not tens of thousands, but it's thousands of dollars. Yeah, yeah. That you can make from airplay.
0: Does it often happen where a specialty show picks up the song, they get a bunch of phones, and then the the broader station starts, you know, takes note of that and starts playing it?
1: Uh, who calls a radio station anymore? Yeah,
0: true, <laughs> I think true. I
1: think they get a feel. And again. He comes Who listens back to, to radio
2: stations anymore? <laughs> I haven't listened well, to radio do, in years. people you do.
1: Know, people do, and a lot of and a lot of it's online. But yeah. I think it comes back to what I said. You know, what's the tour schedule? You know, if if someone's interested, let's say you're you're in you know Knoxville, Tennessee, and you're the guy who's yeah, who's doing yeah. the Americana show Saturday afternoon totally. from uh, three to six, and you're like, wow, I really like that act, and you go online, you look, and you go, whoa, they got. Fifty tour gates. Right. Oh man, this is happening. Yeah, and then they get a little more excited. they might say, "Hey, can I interview the artist? When's, you know, when the artist coming through town, I want to get them on." Right. And so, the more you're doing, the more you're able to make, you know, leverage those opportunities to make them even bigger. So they would be just on their face.
0: Would you say it doesn't make much sense in most cases to go after radio uh, for the average indie artist until you're touring pretty aggressively? I think so. Yeah.
1: That's my feeling. If yeah. you can't go out and tour, you might not be able to take advantage of the benefits of that kind of airplane. Right. But right. you know, if you can find someone who, you know, again, whatever senior is find of who the people are, who are the right. players. You might find someone who, you know, does independent promotion and you somehow meet them on Facebook or Instagram, just through friend to friend of friend. And you, they fall in love with what you're doing, and they say, "You know what? I love what you're doing. I want to take this to radio. Let me just get it to some people, and I'm not even going to charge you." I mean, yeah. that happens yeah, totally. if something's really great. So,
0: well, let's talk about the final step in the arc of the career: the going huge. You know, breaking internationally. You're now a rock star. Um, one, do uh, is that, in your opinion, pretty much always going to involve a record label? Is there any point to talk about it no, as an independent? Like, it doesn't what does to. it take?
1: It usually, do- it usually does. I mean, you get to that level, you're going to have to have a team yeah, of some sort. You're going to have to have a booking agent and that's not going to be hard to get. And as soon as you're making getting a booking agent is really easy if, you- if they can make money off you immediately. Right. If they can't make money off of you immediately, getting a booking agent is damn near impossible. Um, so you're going to have a manager. You're likely going to have a manager. You're likely going to have an agent, and you're likely going to be signed to some kind of label. Now we were talking about Theo Katzman, mm-hmm, right? His yeah. band Wolfpack. Wolfpack famously with no manager and no label. Just the band did it all themselves. They had a booking agent. You know, they got to the point where they got a booking agent. Uh, last fall, they sold out Madison Square Garden. Wow. So it can be done. Yeah. It can yeah. be done, but they they have been brilliant about audience building they've been brilliant about maintaining their brand they've been brilliant about not just promoting the band but promoting the individual members all the individual members have solo careers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they've done it I, I can't really think of anybody else you know yeah who's who's done that i mean there're probably some i'm sure there's some jam bands out there who just don't need a label but have done it with a manager and an agent but to sure. do it all Without a manager and without a label, yes, it can be done. It's rare, and you know you probably want it because you know you get to those bigger levels and risk is involved. Yeah, sure. You know, you know, there's there's real risk. I yeah. mean, you're trying to make big money. Well, there, a lot of times there's a lot of upfront costs. I mm-hmm. mean, the record you want to make with the producer you want to make it with might cost you three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. And that's not something that you know. Even if you're doing well, you may not have three hundred thousand dollars liquid. Hmm. So that's where that's where you're, you're going to want the help of somebody.
0: Well, even just knowing, and being just in-
1: with distribution and just everything, you sure, know, just the sure. whole thing. It's a it's a big business, and when the pie is that big. You can, you can share
0: it. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I was going to say, in terms of risk, even just running your own shows, if unless you bring in a promoter, um, I mean, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars of risk, and if it's, oh, it's yeah. an out, outdoor show and well, it a, rains, you've, you've lost your house. <laughs> of, right?
1: Joe Bonamassa. Now there, I know, are you familiar mm, with Joe Bonamassa? Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does what's called 4 walling. He 4WALLs all of his shows. Right. He's on his own label. He's got a manager who I... I think he's got a separate agent. Anyway, this guy was his agent and left the agency to become his manager. Mm -hmm. And they don't use promoters. They floor wall. They rent the room.
0: Wow. Yeah. And
1: how, well, how 2, big are the 2,500? Yeah. Yeah. That'd be 2,500.
0: There'd be some risk yeah. involved there for sure with, with totally. lights and sound yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And Absolutely. Venue
1: Absolutely. Insurance.
0: Yeah, totally. You know? <laughs> totally. Security, <laughs> yeah. all that. Um, I used to do that on a very small oh, yeah. scale and, and there was, there was risk there, but, it, but it was yeah, yeah much smaller, but, um, it was still enough that I could lose money, which, um, can really hurt. Yep. Um, so what about mm-hmm. attracting that record deal? What's it take these
1: days? Oh boy, the label thinking they have massive upside. Yeah, you know I think that's that's really it. If they think um, you know indie is a little different, indie wants to be cool and still most indies you know look at a like a label like New West or Epitaph. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of them they sign bands just because they love them. Yeah, and the business makes enough sense. Right, and again I think if you're if you're selling tickets. And you're, you know, people like your music and you're selling tickets and your streams are up. Someone's going to want to get involved and help you try to grow that.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, and as far as benchmarks, I don't know, you know, it's the same question. Sometimes, sometimes it's just, you know, I've had the experience where it's just, you heard something, you loved it. And it got signed
0: to a label. Yeah, yeah. So you know, let's take but, you and, and Bluey Lawn. I know you're an indie, but you mm-hmm. know you have healthier budgets than some, smaller than others. Um, uh, mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Do you see? Do you have a criteria, or is it kind of a mixed bag? Sometimes it's criteria based. Sometimes it's passion.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, it's pretty much based on passion. Okay. It really is. It's, um, I, I think it's a rare, it's It's a rare company where it really is about the people who work there and the people who make the decisions on signing acts right. that they just plain love the music yeah. and so. not looking at some things that would scare other labels away, whether it be, you know, could be age, could be image, you know, could be any number of things you know, I think the beauty, what's what I find just so, uh, satisfying about being affiliated with, with Blue Lawn is that the music is signed based on the people signing it and putting the money and effort behind it. Mm. They love it.
2: That's very cool, and
1: it's a beautiful thing. It's very cool. It's very cool, and it's it's in extremely rare.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, with that in mind, with the majors, is it still all committee-based signings? Like, what are the the majors looking for? In your opinion, if you wanted, <laughs> if, if if you were managing an act and you they were you felt like the only right outcome for this band was to get it's signed and you did all those other things yeah. we've discussed. They're now getting tens of thousands of streams. There's a bit of a story there. They're working hard, but you know maybe they're not making money or they're making very little money. Uh, and you want to attract that label that, you know, they're not, they're not huge and making hundreds of thousands of dollars, but there's, there is a story there. What do you think it's going to take to attract the label? A major, sorry. Huge
1: upside, huge yeah. upside. They yeah. got to be able to see it. And it's largely, you know, pop. Yeah. Um, that's, that's dominating or, you know, there's some metal acts out there, and again, defining major is tough. Yeah, totally. You know, is Concord Records a major now? Kind of. Right. You know, Inner Scope, yes. You know, there's 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 just different levels of major, but I think what majors do really well is make songs huge. Yeah. Not just, and it's not just about building careers. There, and they do that too, but they're really good at making songs huge. And, and and generating billions of streams,
0: yeah yeah so and
1: that's I think they have to they have to have they, they have to see that kind of upside in order to do it
0: So has nothing really changed in 20 years in the sense that uh, that build a story, start make taking meetings with people you know and try and see if you can spark some interest? Is it still the same basic process? <laughs>
1: nothing's changed except where we do it. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. I, I think it's, it's really that, you know, I, I think, except, you know, you're still doing it in the clubs, you know, yeah. there's still, you still got to play live. That has not changed at all. It's just the fact that we now have, uh, there's no barrier for distribution. You don't have to, to get your record in one record store or anywhere. You used to have to, um, you had to be signed to a label and right. to get any kind of push at all, you had to be signed to a major label. Gotcha. And it's that, that's been removed. So right. there, but, but still, you have to be able to, you have to be able to reach people. The, the one thing is you, you know, doing things like your, your programs where, uh, where you're building audience and you're, de- you're developing that direct to fan relationship. That mm-hmm. is something that didn't exist. Yeah, totally. You know, that's, that's relatively new. That, that really didn't exist much 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, and it's there now. So yeah. you don't have to wait on somebody's permission to, to start growing an audience you can start doing it totally um, funny as far, enough. As, as far
0: as yeah oh well i was gonna say funny enough um and i never saw this until years later it's not like i just was smart enough to realize it or anything like that but uh but so much of what i do now parallels so much of what i did to get that big deal way back when it just was with t- phones instead of emails it's infinitely easier now mm-hmm. but i went out for two years as a as a promoter very much focused on trying to create some social leverage so i wasn't just another guy looking for something I had something to offer everybody Um, I had an enticing (laughs) offer you know like I could put people Mm -hmm. on guest lists I was a club promoter so in the hierarchy of the the bar world, the rock and roll world you know if you're a bartender or a club owner or a club owner you have a little more clout you know Um, and and people take their spend you know they'll, they'll give you some time and I went out and every night I asked for people's phone numbers we'd get to talking and I'd, I'd actually talk. I wasn't a, a, a too bad of a schmoozer. You know, I'd actually sit down and chat with people for a half an hour and make friends. And I'd say, you know, what? give me your phone number. Mm-hmm. I'll call you when I'm when I'm playing. Um, and maybe I could put you on the list or something. And I was the promoter, and no one really knew any of this, so I could take my own shows, and I could put everyone on the list if I wanted to. There were shows where I had five hundred people on the guest <laughs> list, and no one realized it. Never told anyone that that right. was the, that it wasn't the case. It just just no one thought yeah. that you know everyone assumed I probably had ten people on it. So I would. And I would spend four days on the phone calling every single person. I had about a thousand phone numbers, which, you know, the impact of a phone number of a person you, you met at a bar within the last few months is a very valuable contact. And it would take me about three, four days to call every single person and, and, Again, I would use a little enticing language, saying, "Hey, a bunch of record labels are coming down. I think this is a really important show. I can put you on the guest list, but you know, spots are limited uh, to four <laughs> well, hundred. Uh, so, let me know if you please let me know if you can make it as soon as possible. Um, and and perhaps I'll see you down there. And I would fill up the list, and I'd have a line around the block. And when it finally came time to do that showcase, it really paid off, and I got this massive deal. Um, but it's really the same process as I do right now. It's Starting conversations, building relationships, instead of spending four days calling people, um, I hit a button on an Aweber and send out a send out a message. Um, but but really, fundamentally, the the process, the fundamental process of starting conversations, creating uh, using enticements to create interest, and then a little bit of scarcity um, to get people off the fence uh, to take action, is all exactly the same. And I suspect I suspect it's always been the case for you know hundreds of years in some way shape or form and whatever the objective be at the music industry or or something else
1: um, right you know call now and get the knife set so the yeah. extra <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> onion chopper sure, you know, but sure, all now sure. it's, it's the same thing
0: yeah, yeah. totally oh, so, okay so we're running out of time but i want to just do kind of a quick uh quick round quick short burst responses to the we just outlaid or outlined a sort of career arc and the different <laughs> steps. Now let's talk, talk quickly about how different genres might differ. So the quick response of like, oh, you're hip hop? Well, I would yep. be aware of this. So let's let's I'll okay. do that. So hip hop, like how, how would hip hop? Hip yeah. hop,
1: uh, SoundCloud and TikTok.
0: Yeah, all focused on those stats, as opposed to the, the other, and why? All and why? Online. And why, because that's where? Uh,
1: that's where your audience is. It's a young audience. They're not going out. Uh, hip hop is not as much of a live thing yeah. as it is a, a device thing. Gotcha. It's all happening on the phones. Cool. With- Got it.
0: Okay. So, uh, let's say pop.
1: Pop. Uh, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. TikTok, Instagram. Uh, uh, I would say YouTube, uh, live is not going to matter as much, Yeah. you know, really, uh, hone an audience and tr- try to build it cool. all on the phones. Metal. Mm-hmm. Metal, tour, 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 tour. So critical. Um, Imaging, so important, right? Look at a band like Ghost. Go look them up. Biggest biggest new metal band uh, of the last 10 years. Went from uh, virtually nothing to selling out the forum.
0: Right, right. Wow, um, let's see. Yeah, that's the one. Imaging is really interesting that you mentioned it because that's the I tend to use a lot of really stripped down squeeze pages and landing pages because design tends to get in the way um, of of direct response marketing. You know, when you're trying to get leads and, and mm-hmm. get conversion rates up as high as possible. Um, but metal's the one pretty consistent exception. The more sort of on point the branding is and the more on point the design is yep. um it doesn't distract it actually tends to to help and, and increase conversion uh what else so we killer got image killer logo so country
1: country oh play live yeah you know uh it depends are you doing the pop country thing because then it's the same then it's then you're into pop pop right, right. if you're talking um you know carrie underwood or or blake shelton that's pop yeah let's not confuse that with country so that's that's same. That's the pop road.
2: Right. you know. Right. And
1: that's going to take a label to do anything. And, that is, and country is littered with gatekeepers. You're going to have to be on a major label to make inroads there.
0: Got it. With pop country. Yes, with like pop country. It, yep. alt, alt country, you can sort of approach it more like My an lot. indie songwriter. Tour.
1: Yep, tour, yeah. tour, 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 tour. Right, yep. got it.
0: Cool. Um, and blues and jazz, I imagine they're sort of similar to the singer-songwriter model with more specialty being um, a, a part of it.
1: Focus on getting yeah, blues and jazz really try to get on uh festivals. Yeah. You know, that that's something you look look at all the local festivals, the rib cookouts, the you know, whatever it is. There's all kinds of um you know, taste of whatever city you're in. Mm. You know, there's there's opportunities there. Right. Uh-huh. Um, but again, you know, touring, releasing music, blues, those are two genres that are hard to garner. They're they're hard to grow a large, large audience. Right. 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 Because it tends to be older.
0: Yeah. It's funny. It's hard to grow a large audience, but there's a lot of consistent work. You know, for for live stuff. Yes. Um, a lot of opportunities. Absolutely. To... But there's a ceiling.
1: Yeah. A ceiling. Yeah. I
0: hear you. Unless uh, like,
1: unless you're Joe Bonamassa.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Right. You know, right, right.
1: Not much of a ceiling.
0: Reggae and uh, world tour yeah
1: you know reggae and that's how it's all building here it's all you know it's instagram it's also it's uh reggae and reggae especially get involved in the community be a part of the community and if there's a lot of bands helping other bands
0: Cool. Cool. Okay. So I think that, I think that wraps us up for that career arc. And I loved all of that. I think this is just so packed with great stuff. Thank you. But, was fun. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask one more question that was just in my notes here, sure. something that I didn't want to interrupt you when mm-hmm. you're in a flow. So you, you had talked about Facebook not being so important anymore and it's all about Instagram. And I know, you know, TikTok is a new focus for many. Um, From my perspective, I don't share that perspective. I understand why a lot of people say it, and I understand the relevance of the platforms, and I understand their growth. Um, However, from my perspective, again, as someone who's solely focused on direct-to-fan and email list building, uh, to me, traffic Mm -hmm. is traffic is traffic. I just care where I just want to find people that care and that I can convert at the lowest possible price and for me that's still very much facebook and it's still even though instagram has seen all this yes. wild growth facebook's still got a bigger audience it's still massive
1: facebook yeah. well facebook has a bigger audience but facebook's audience is older
0: yeah it, 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 it and is older.
1: so it depends on what you're doing and are there enough people that you want to reach are they even on facebook anymore uh, um, and I do, but, I do, but you, you can't click out of Instagram, right? You can't, can't click out of a post. Yeah. Well, you get to ten thousand. You can with an you ad. Can swipe up you, out of a, you can yeah, with an you ad. Can with an ad. So, so it does it does work. I just see Instagram. Sorry, uh, Facebook just skews older. It, it you know I have a sixteen year old daughter who has zero interest in Facebook. It like, do- it's not even on her radar. It
0: does definitely, but customers also skew older as does disposable income. So again, sure. from and this is where I think we have where I keep going back to those differences because my focus is on let's go get profit um, as opposed to let's mm-hmm. let's set this up for that eventual record deal because I, I do see that as pretty relevant I see it is pretty relevant if you're gonna try to get that big record deal that you do have that young audience um, that's gonna be you know the, the labels are gonna want to see that they're gonna want to see that there's profit potential for decades to come and all, all of that uh, and that you, you have the potential to really go kind of viral or crazy Um within that young really excitable community um but from from an indies perspective um that is that isn't so much focused on that and is pulling in new customers every day. I see, I still nine times out of 10, I see the the cheapest conversions coming from Facebook and there while regardless of what's happening, um, I don't have enough money to burn out Facebook. So, or anyone. Um, (laughs) so, so there's, there's no fear.
1: It all depends. It all depends on who your audience that you're trying to reach. Um, the younger the audience is, the less, uh, Facebook, I mean, I'm not thinking people do Facebook, of course. Yeah, Everybody yeah, sure, should sure. be on Facebook. Sure. I'm sure Billie Eilish is all over Facebook. Right, right. She's got tons and tons of followers there. My guess is the fo- followers on Facebook are generally older than the followers that are on Instagram and wherever else. Even wherever else she ones on TikTok. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's just, where do you want to spend your energy as far right. as creating content? Yeah. Um, you have to look at who your audience is. Totally. And, you know, the other thing that that, you know, does make it tough is that the older a person is, the more settled they are on their, you know, say, discovering new music, right? Right. right. The older a person gets. So you're going to hit a, you're going to hit a point where, yes, you might have followers there, but rabid fans tend, and again, lots of exceptions, but rabid fans who go out um, who comes to you at shows and can help you really build something, they tend to be younger. And yeah. it's just because people who are older have things like children, you sure, know, sure. And, and other lives and, you know, and other commitments. You're just about, like, you know, so, but people in 18 to 30 without, you know, single, no kids, they're going out more and uh, have more time to give you.
0: Yeah, I think, I think some of it in is. General has a lot to do with how I go about things I rely on strength of copywriting and that ability to get into the mind mm-hmm. of that prospect and start and, and that's a that's a that's a pretty rare skill it's not something you have you have to consciously uh, uh, um become good at that that's not something that the average person is good at when they're just posting on Instagram and so copywriting is a very different way of attracting people than what the average musician is doing and so I think when you are when mm-hmm. are when you're conscious of that psychological dance that's happening when you're writing good copy and pulling people in you can you can really effectively um, pull in an audience and an older audience but I agree with what you're saying that that if you were just doing what the average artist is doing and just performing that that person would be a lot less likely to go. Ooh, what's this? I want to discover the next greatest thing because they've already mm-hmm. they already know yep. what they like and they don't need there's no room in their life for that much more stuff. Uh, right. But when you right. start a conversation with a super enticing statement um, that completely speaks to oh, like oh, it makes it makes that reader um, uh, or that person scrolling. Through your content and their feed, kind of go. Oh my God, that's that's me. What this person just described. Um, they do kind of light up and they do kind of respond. So I I, I don't know. I'm I'm less concerned about other, but I wanted to ask because I, I do know that you're not alone and that that feeling that it's really important that the artists stick with the relevant platforms. It just hasn't been something.
1: Maybe it's just that when maybe design. it's just when I'm looking at an artist and I want to gauge their popularity, Yeah, I don't put as much stock in the numbers of Facebook. Yeah, and that's maybe yeah. why I'm, because you know, sure. you're totally right. I mean, it's much easier to drive conversions from Facebook than any other platform. Right, right. So, but you do put stock uh, yeah, in the Instagram following. But I do put stock in the Instagram yeah, following, yeah. yes. Yeah. Because definitely, it's hard, harder definitely. To, And, harder and engage, to not, and not just following, but engagement, Yeah, you know, yeah. looking at the number of comments, the number of likes, the number of, sh- you know, just, you, you can, you can see a lot more there. And, right. uh, um, it's, it, I, it's just, it's a more accurate read of where they are. I think so you can, you can have an act that's pretty big and you look and they go, oh, they have 1500 followers on Facebook. Well, because their audience isn't on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. That's why they, they have so few. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And we really do got to go. Um, and this is not, um, there's not even sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? This is, this is apropos of nothing, but, um, just a, just a few <laughs> quick words to people that are going out there and buying Spotify streams, if you would.
1: Don't do it. It doesn't help you.
0: <laughs> yeah. And Spotify
1: sees right through it. They see right through it. Those bots are easy to detect and, uh, no one knows this for sure, but I, uh, work under the assumption that you ultimately are punished by Spotify without yeah. getting, uh, uh, without getting your music served algorithmically, yeah, and what about the industry so don 't do is it. it
0: hard for hard for you to see through it
1: No, I can usually see through it right away they're usually they 're usually telltale signs you know if numbers are way out of whack yeah it 's a tell you want to see all the numbers sort of converging together if you see a large number of spins, you want to see a large number of monthly followers, you want to see a large number of uh, sorry monthly listeners and you want to see a large number of followers, and then you want to go on to the other Platforms, you know, if I see someone with or one song that has four hundred and eighty thousand streams, and the other and the next biggest one has twenty one hundred, you know, okay, what'd you do? You either got on some crazy playlist, or you're gaming it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for that. Thanks so much, Nils. This is really good stuff. And how can people uh, learn more about you if they want to, you know, connect or learn more about what you do? Um, Where can they go?
1: Yeah, they could go to they can go to blueelan.com, which is B-L-U-E-E-L-A-N.com. Or they can go to my personal website, which is mcsentertainment.net. Cool. Thanks very much. You're welcome, John. Always a pleasure.
0: Take care. Thanks for listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. If you'd like to learn more about how you can market your music using the direct-to-fan strategies discussed on this show, then head on over to musicmarketingmanifesto.com and sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. Once again, that's musicmarketingmanifesto.com.